Hi, I'm Pastor Nathan from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. And in this installment of Walking Our Way Through the Bible, we come to Genesis chapter 8. Now, Genesis chapter 8 is a continuation of the account of when God flooded the earth, but he preserved Noah and his family and some animals in this ark that he instructed Noah to build. Now, we're going to be pick up this account in chapter 8, verse 14. And this is going to be after the rain has fallen, all the water started to subside, things have started to dry out. And God gives instruction to Noah to get out of the ark. So in verse 14, it says, In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now we need to pay attention because right after God gives Noah this instruction to to leave the ark with him and his family and his animals, we're going to see a repeat of the blessing that he gave in the dawn of creation after he created humanity and animals to be fruitful and multiply. So in verse 17, it says, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. This is important because this is one of the first instructions and the first blessings that we see in scripture. This is the purpose one of the purposes for which God created humanity and created animals and created the earth in general. So it could be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He didn't want the earth to stay empty or unproductive, but rather he put humanity here with a purpose, not just to fill the earth, but to make sure that it was fruitful and to cultivate the land, to care for it and to care for the animals and the plants that God had blessed humanity with when he created the world. And this blessing is also important because it's going to be repeated several times throughout the next few chapters. And we'll see when we come to the Tower of Babel that that's an, that's an example of humanity directly going against this command. So in verse 18, it says, So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. We'll see that right after Noah gets to safety, one of the first things he does is he builds an altar to the Lord and he worships God. This is a good reminder for each one of us because when we're going through times of want where we have a specific need or when we're going through times of uncertainty or things that times that are scary, it's easy then to turn to God, right? To kind of give him a list of all our requests and all of our needs. But unfortunately, what happens often is once those needs are met, once the danger has ceased or, you know, we're not in direct want, then it's easy to forget about God. But we're not called just to give God a list of the things we want, like he's a genie. But we're created to live in relationship with God. And just like any other relationship, it can't be something that you pick up and put down when it's convenient. The relationship that we have with God goes through all seasons, seasons of want and seasons of plenty. And so this is a good reminder that when we move past a season of deep need, a season where it's easy to turn to God, we shouldn't just forget God, but we should pause and we should worship him. And we should make sure that, make sure that we continue that relationship, not just because that's what God wants, but also because that's how we are created to live. And when we live in the way that the Lord created us to live, that's when we are most satisfied in him 
and he is most pleased in us. Verse 21, it says, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. Now, this is probably one of the most important statements in this chapter. For the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. One thing that Christianity never claims, and the scriptures never claim, is that by human will or human perfection, we can reach utopia. This is a claim that other thoughts make, other philosophies and other religions make. But the scriptures, ever since Adam and Eve sinned, recognize the reality that the human heart is inclined towards evil. Now, this does not mean that people can't do good things, that people can't genuinely love each other or do things that are selfless. But just like if you think about a child, you don't have to teach a child to be selfish. You don't have to teach a child to lie. That's something that they naturally learn. Because if we, gen- if we honestly look at ourselves and we honestly look at the people who surround us, we'll see that the natural inclination of humanity is towards selfishness, is towards evil, is towards looking out for our rights and our needs over that of others. And sometimes even going against the rights and the needs of others in order to make sure that our desires are satisfied. This is so important because this is going to go throughout the entire Bible. And this is one of the main things that Jesus came to free us from. He didn't come just so that we could have forgiveness of sins, although that's extremely important. But he also came so that he could restore humanity back to how we were originally the purpose for which we were originally created. When we remember back to Adam and Eve, we see that they walked and they talked with God and they participated in his work when he told them to cultivate the land and care for the garden. That's what will satisfy the human heart, to live in harmony with God, live in communion with God and participate in his work. Jesus says that, or the scriptures say that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has, has, has gone away and the new has come. In Christ, we're not just forgiven people, although we are forgiven people. We're people who have been freed to live to, for God, to live as we were created to live, free from slavery to sin, free from slavery to selfishness, even though we'll continue to fall back in that because we live in a broken world and we're broken people. But the ultimate hope of the Christian life is that we'll be completely transformed by the power of God. So we reflect his nature, so we live in harmony with him, and we're free from the burden of sin. Now, after this this statement about human nature, we see that God makes a promise to all of creation. He says, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So while God recognizes the broken human nature that we've inherited as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. He also promises that he'll never again bring a flood that would destroy living living creatures as he had just done. We'll see this repeated in Genesis chapter 9. But the main thing I I want us to take away from this passage is that God has a good and perfect purpose for humanity. He has a good and perfect purpose for your life and for my life. And while he recognizes the fact that the human heart is inclined towards evil. We also have hope in Christ that if we accept him into our hearts, if we ask him to be the Lord of our lives and submit ourselves over to him, 
then he can free us not only from the guilt of sin, but also from our enslavement to our own sinful and selfish desires. I hope that this has helped you as you've been studying Genesis chapter 8 and as you read the rest of the Bible. And I hope that this will bless you in your relationship with God and with others. Thank you.